0: We come this morning to the last incident of Christ there in the temple. It's a very important incident. And in many ways, as you will see in terms of the message this morning, this message will be in a kind of review as to where we are in the gospel, with this being a pinnacle illustration of the idea of discipleship. So keep that in mind as we look at Mark's gospel and the sequence of where we now are in terms of the narrative. The widow's offering, chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Listen carefully to the holy word of God. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And the poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to him them Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty has put in everything she had all she had to live on. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we ask that we would see the commitment to dedication to the gospel in this one who is before us. Christ is telling us about the gospel in her and we ask that we Would not be deaf, but that we would hear, and that we, our hearts, would act through thy spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Is the widow's offering a surprise to you in the sequence? of Mark's gospel. If so, it shouldn't be a surprise. Like any good story, you have been engaged in the dramatic flow of Jesus's life. After all Mark's gospel is about your savior. And you wish to learn more and more about Jesus, his gospel, his kingdom every day. You do not want a superficial relationship with Christ. You want a rich and strong relationship with Jesus. You want want the deep treasures of Mark's gospel in your heart so that you are overcome with gratitude for your savior. In fact, you are against superficial a superficial and hypocritical pious religion which Christ condemns with respect to the scribes there in chapter 12 verses 38 through 40. For example, even putting it before us those Christians who walk around acting godly when their heart is far from godliness. How about greeting others like one really cares about others, but in reality, one could care less. Once again, have you allowed the Holy Spirit as the final author of Mark's Gospel to truly enrich the presence of Jesus in your heart. And in your actions. Allow me to be more direct. Have you submitted to what Jesus has been teaching you in this gospel, so that your faith is becoming sturdier, wealthier and mature in Christ, and your daily walk is becoming sturdier, wealthier, and mature as a follower and a disciple of Christ. If your answer is no, then ask yourself why? What is going on in your life that you are closing your heart and mind to the Holy Spirit's presentation of Christ in Mark's Gospel. Don't put the blame somewhere else. Address your own heart. Address your own walk. Address your own life. You are accountable before God for not permitting Christ to conform you more to his image from the pages of Mark's gospel the Holy Spirit is placing Christ's life the gospel the kingdom before you so that you are without excuse to grow to grow in a living relationship with Christ by participating in the very words recorded by Mark For these words are the word of God. You may ask this morning. Why is Pastor Bill so direct concerning our personal, our personal engagement with Christ in Mark? Well, the reason is that this brief text about the poor widow's offering is crucial for our understanding of the gospel and for each life believing in Christ. We must grasp as Christ's body as to why in God's providence this event appears at this point as Christ marches to the cross. Well, there are two central themes that Mark has focused upon so far in his gospel. First of all, true faith, saving faith in Christ. Secondly, what does a disciple and follower of Christ look like? Bartimaeus served as the pinnacle example of being a as being a person of saving faith, and now the poor widow serves as the pinnacle example of what being a follower of Christ looks like. On this Reformation Sunday, let us focus on these two themes that also dominated the understanding of the Christian by the reformers. First, let us Be reminded of the crucial placement of Bartimaeus. Let us review that in Mark's gospel. It is just prior to the entrance into Jerusalem, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Mark has been betraying Christ's disciples prior to the appearance of Bartimaeus as failing, as failing to grasp by faith, the significance of Christ's mission. As the drama has been building throughout the gospel, for the clear evidence of saving faith on the part of Christ's disciples, suddenly, just prior to Christ's entrance into Jerusalem, we are given a clear picture of what saving faith looks like. What does saving faith look like? What is it supposed to look like in your heart? It is not a coincidence in God's providence that a blind beggar will be the prime example of saving faith. Mark has portrayed the blindness of the human heart in the scribes. The Pharisees. Herod Antipas, Herodias, the crowds on the western and eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, Christ's own family and others in Nazareth and his disciples. Do you remember chapter 6 verse 52 when he says about the disciples their hearts are hardened Their hearts are hardened. They know not saving faith at this point. Mark has made the analogy often for us between closed hearts to believe in Christ and the blindness of the human eye. Bartimaeus consummates that theme. In Bartimaeus, the closed heart is opened in view that now he sees. Remember, Bartimaeus is the only person named by one's personal name in Mark's Gospel who is healed. That is very significant. He stands out as the first person in Mark's gospel to refer to Christ's messianic identity as the son of David, even calling out repeatedly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus even uses the very intimate Personal term for rabbi in referring to Jesus, not just the term rabbi that means the typical teacher and student relationship. Jesus, who knows the heart, sees into Bartimaeus's heart and declares to him, within the hearing and sight of the disciples and the great crowd, "Go." Your way. Faith has made you well. Chapter 10, verse 52. And how does Bartimaeus respond? Now, notice, he follows. Keep that in mind. He follows Jesus on the what the key word on the way of Christ purchasing his redemption, the way of the son of man coming to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many on the cross. True saving faith, resting and trusting in Christ alone. To cleanse the sinful heart is the sole means of being in Christ's kingdom. Since the first chapter of Mark's Gospel, Christ has disclosed that the only way to enter the saving path, the way of salvation into Christ's redemptive activity, is by faith and repentance the theme of the whole gospel in chapter 1 verse 15. Providentially Bartimaeus is the incredible example of Mark's theme of faith and repentance as Jesus enters Jerusalem. Mark is asking his readers. Do you have eyes to see with a heart that is committed to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David, as the only, the only means of salvation and redemption of your soul, of your soul? Well. There is a second theme in the ministry of Christ that comes to dominate Mark's understanding of the gospel and salvation. It is the theme of discipleship. The way of salvation includes faith and obedience, the integration of faith and being a faithful follower of putting into action Christ's teaching. We saw that already already in terms of that integration in the life of Bartimaeus, have we not? This theme is a central focus of Christ's ministry after Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ at Caesarea Philippi in chapter eight, verse 29. If you are going to confess with your lips, and believe in your heart that Jesus is the promised Messiah to save you from your falling condition of sin, then you'd better know what Christ requires for those who follow him as an expression in your life of the forgiveness of sin. There can be no separation between faith and how the believer in Christ conducts their life. In fact, to live the Christian life means to follow the life pattern that Christ has lived before us. You have heard again and again in this section from chapter 8 verse 31 through chapter 12, verse 40, previous to our text this morning, the theme of discipleship, which is specifically mentioned in chapter 8, verse 34 and 35. If anyone, if anyone would come, after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it three times after Peter's confession and before James and John's request for places of honor and his right and left hands in glory Jesus maps out the pattern of his own, his own denying himself, his own service as self sacrifice for his people by virtue of suffering to exaltation. To be a follower of Christ is clearly mapped out before us in Christ himself it means that there is no desire to be the greatest in Christ's kingdom. If any of us has the desire to be first, we must suppress that desire and be last and a servant to all. A follower of Christ does not cause others to sin, Nor do they become captive to sin in their own body. We need the goodness of salt, if you recall, the salt to continually refine us from within and enable us to live in peace with Christ and with others. Through the Holy Spirit, those who have entered Christian marriage must resist the hardness of heart, as Christ puts it, and live by the words of our Savior, what God has joined together, let no man separate. That is how followers of Christ act. They deny self. They live in self-sacrifice towards each other. After all, Living in Christ's kingdom requires a life of dependency, that is living like a child who is utterly dependent upon the sovereignty of God and his redemption secured by Christ, whose redemption and reign is pictured, is pictured as a baby in Revelation twelve six. That's why you must receive Christ and the kingdom like a child because Christ is pictured in terms of sitting upon the throne in Revelation 12:6 as a baby a true follower in Christ is willing to give up all one's worldly possessions to have the treasures in heaven. Indeed, a follower of Jesus will leave house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, and their land to possess the gospel found only in the precious redeeming grace of Christ. But when you live in this way, Jesus says your life will be characterized by persecution, followed by your entrance into the age to come, the eternal life in heaven, chapter 10, verse 30. Herein, Jesus tells us that the last will be first. Christ further underlines this point in the context of Peter and John's request to be on Christ's right and left hand in glory. Can they live Christ's cup of baptism? What does this mean? He's asking if they can live the pattern of Christ's death and resurrection, which is symbolized in baptism. He tells James and John and the other disciples that the day will come when they will live the pattern of his baptism. What is that pattern? Suffering to exaltation. And what will that look like? What should it look like right here in our church? What should it look like right here? Whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave to all chapter 10 verses 43 and 44. Yes, are you willing to follow a king who rides a lowly colt into the prestigious, the most prestigious city in Israel, who contends the apostasy and barrenness of their religious place of worship, calling it a den of robbers. Are you willing to embrace the condemnation of the Jewish religious establishment who has rejected Christ and embrace the chief cornerstone of a new sanctuary, a new sanctuary of worship. Jesus Christ as a pilgrim on earth and a member of the kingdom of God in heaven. We will pay taxes to Caesar. We will live our earthly marriage as a picture of the heavenly marriage between Christ and the church. And as those who are last, as those who live the pattern of Christ's death and resurrection, we will deny self and love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and be a servant a slave to all, by loving our neighbors as ourselves. And by the way, I wonder if you've ever thought about this. If not, maybe this is a good time. What does the phrase, as yourself, loving yourself, mean in the great commandment? What does that mean? Does it mean you got to love yourself in terms of who you are in terms of your fallen nature? Is that what Jesus is saying? What does that mean? It means loving yourself as you live in Christ's love for you and in you. Your love for Christ means that you receive in your heart the pattern of Christ's servanthood for you, his suffering to exaltation. By the Holy Spirit being in you. You will love who you are only in Christ. Got it? Got it? To love yourself means to love the Christ who is in you. You are not loving yourself in your sinful nature. Rather, to repeat, you are loving the Christ who is in you. You will love others by the expression of Christ's death and resurrection in you. The world, just look at the world. The world has no such understanding of the law lo- of this love for God for neighbor and for oneself just look at the world the world just hasn't had such a conception Christ's love for self will always be a love towards others in sacrifice, in compassion, and sharing one another's burdens to exalt your brother and sister in Christ. The fruits of the Spirit will be on display in your actions. In your life. Now by God's providence, the widow's offering is the last incident recorded in Mark's Gospel as Jesus, who is the new temple of God, is about to leave the den of robbers. Notice, Jesus is sitting down opposite the treasury, watching the people put money into the offering box. Verse 41, his posture of sitting in an er earth is a earthly preview of his heavenly sitting in judgment at the right hand of his Father in heaven, putting his enemies under his feet. You're seeing a temporal enactment here of Psalm 110 1, which we have just seen previously. Connect the dots. Many rich people paraded in and placed large sums of money into the boxes. Suddenly, suddenly, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins. <laughs> Interestingly, in terms of looking at this, scholars are all over the place, all over the map as to what the two queen coins are worth in comparison to the Daenerys. It is safe to say, I'm just going to conclude this way, it is safe to say that they are worth a very small percentage in comparison to the denarius. Our text is even translated one penny for us to understand. Now Christ calls his disciples to him. Notice that. Are the disciples seeing what she is doing? Well, the disciples listen? To what Jesus is going to say. Eyes to see. Ears to hear. I ask you this morning. Focus congregation on the event here. This event is the consummation. Of what it means to be a follower. A disciple of Jesus Christ. In his kingdom. As Christ is about to depart. From the temple the poor widow, in contrast to the rich young man, gave all she had as an offering unto the Lord. Out of her poverty, she gave everything she had. Verse 44. A widow is supposed to be the special care of the scribes in Israel, the scribes whom Christ has labeled. Notice that in our previous text, in terms of making the connection, Christ has labeled as those who devour and destroy widows' houses. That's how the religious establishment treats the widows. At this time, and yet the widow responds and gives all that she had. What will she now live on? How is she going to purchase food to eat? How will she survive? She has no husband to provide for her. She gave much more than the rich. Yes, she is the model of discipleship at this point in Mark's gospel. Not, not the disciples. She's the. She has denied self. She is showing what it means to love God and neighbor. She is the last picture of true religion surrounded by the apostasy and barrenness of the old temple. She is not interested in being on the right or left hand of Christ in glory. She accepts being a slave and a servant to all. She is the picture of the last becoming first. She truly understands that there is no profit in gaining the whole world in losing one soul. She has no interest in being the greatest in the kingdom of God. Her interest is to take on the persona of a child of a child who is totally dependent upon the Lord to supply her and her needs. She has given all she has. Now notice the connection in faith in faith. Believing that the Lord will keep her and sustain her. Don't lose sight of what Christ is teaching us here as he observes the heart of the poor widow after all the scriptures do not condemn wealth per se rather what it condemns is the heart is a heart failing to live Totally, totally committed to being dependent upon the Lord in our daily walk. Even to the point that if we die without earthly food, we possess the eternal bread of life. Let that sink in. Such dependency attacks boasting in our lives. Discipleship means the abandonment of self and the soul dependency upon the Lord, a path which receives the joy of salvation, as we endure the path of suffering in this world unto exaltation in the next world. In the fullness of biblical revelation, we must see Jesus in the poor widow Paul drives home the point of Christ living the life of discipleship for the life of the church we are smack dab are we not in Philippians 2 aren't we Paul's instruction of discipleship is clear don't do anything out of selfish ambition and conceit Count others more significant than yourself. Don't look after your own interests, but the interests of others. Why? Because Christ did not count equality in terms of something to be grasped held on to as his advantage rather Christ emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. You talk about humility. You talk about humility. He humbled himself so much. That he obeyed the path to the cross. Dying for our sins. His humility and servanthood are rewarded with exaltation at which everyone who enters by faith into his path of servanthood and discipleship will bow before his name and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord congregation. Jesus became last in order to be first. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ the great suffering servant that has come on our behalf. And we are so thankful in your providence to give us this glorious picture, this wonderful picture of what it truly means to be a follower of Christ in this poor widow, this one, who's not even named by name, but one who is held up before the church of Jesus Christ in terms of that which lives in dependency and sacrifice for the body of Christ and for others, and that she herself loves the ministry of the church of Jesus Christ. We ask, O Lord, that that would be our hearts. And that that would be that which is bestowed upon us. Help us, O Lord, to live by faith. To be a faithful follower of Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.